From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Uh, for those joining us on our HOA, uh, welcome, that's right, Albert the intern is back on the case, and we are live streaming The Conspiracy Show on YouTube. The link, if you want to watch and listen to The Conspiracy Show, is located at the top of my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. 20 years in the business, and I'm still spelling my last name. <laughs> it's S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. That's the Twitter feed. While you're there, say hello, follow. Uh, but just find the um, the tweet that pertains to the HOA. You click on the link. It's a live stream link, and uh, you are in. And uh, as always, I'd love to hear what you think of the Hangout. Uh, or just the show in general, you can email me directly at theconspiracyshow1. The Conspiracy Show, the numeral one, at gmail.com. And you can also reach me, as always, through the website, richardserrett.com. Speaking of the website, Albert has posted some great stories in the highlight carousel at the top of richardserrett.com. One story's been up there for a few weeks, and that's the disclosure petition. That's Stephen Bassett's initiative uh, to pressure the White House to hold real congressional hearings into the UFO ET issue, and we've left it up there because of the uh, the deadline. They need 100,000 signatures, and the deadline is fast approaching, folks. It's Feb 6th, so obviously time running out, and what do they have, Albert, about 13,000 signatures? 13,000. They need 100,000. That's a pretty tall order to make up the remaining 87,000. Uh, by Feb 6. So if you, if you haven't already signed on and you were thinking about it but maybe forgot, now is the time. So just go to richardsarrett.com and the, the slide carousel, the highlight carousel, you'll see a series of, of uh, slides at the top. Just click on that uh, image when it comes around and that'll take you right to the, uh, the petition page. If you're into uh, the metaphysical, esoteric, and spiritual arena, I know many of you are, there's also an interesting story in the uh, highlight carousel about how we can learn to reside in the fifth dimension. And I'm not talking about that musical group fronted by Marilyn McCoo, the fifth, <laughs> do you remember the fifth dimension? Albert, you're too young for that, maybe. Uh, anyway, there's also a fascinating story about, get this, red barns. Have you noticed, whenever you drive out in the country, all the barns, are painted red, and it turns out there's a good reason for that, and it has to do with the chemistry of dying stars. You can read all about it, again, the highlight carousel at richardserrett.com. One more important item you'll find there, and that's a link to Follow the Truth to my second live event conference coming Sunday, April the 26th, uh, once again at the Regent Theater, the beautiful Regent Theater in downtown Oshawa. It's an evening event this time. And I'm bringing seven very special guests to the Regent, including the Honorable Paul Hellyer, our former Minister of Defense and Deputy Prime Minister. He'll talk about the money mafia. Our media scientist friend, JFK assassination researcher Nelson Thal, will be unpacking the Zapruder film. Ms. Jane Steele, the mysterious and lovely Ms. Steele, formerly of Shock Talk, a popular internet radio and TV show, will discuss the lost and found tribes of Israel. Victor Vigiani, no stranger to this show, will present smoking gun documents, proving the government knows about and is concerned about UFOs and ETs, and a special exhibit featuring a replica of the Shroud of Turin, 
a life-sized, very detailed, very accurate replica. Dr. Gary Chang will be uh, in Oshawa discussing that. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, of course, a regular on The Conspiracy Show, flying up with her spirit boxes in hand, and will give a demonstration of spirit communication. Uh, I'm really excited about the event, uh, and that's, uh, again, Sunday, April the 26th. Follow the Truth 2, Regent Theatre, Oshawa. For more information, visit followthetruth.tv or call the box office and order your passes at 905-721-3399. 905-721-3399. Now, one of the things that we like to do on this show is to help provide an understanding or maybe an alternative view of world events through different prisms. And tonight we're going to do just that. Um, tonight that prism is the Bible and something called the Revelation Trumpets. Tsunamis, earthquakes, world wars, nuclear disasters, upheaval in the Middle East, all things we discuss in the program. And my guest, uh, who has been with me several times, uh, he believes the Bible provides many clues as to our future, and he believes the things that I just mentioned, the upheaval, the, the wars, the weather, could all be looked upon as warnings. Perhaps the final warning from the author of the Bible, the Almighty God. In fact, that's the title of his new book, Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. Carl Gallups is a best-selling author, senior pastor, talk radio host, Heard nationally and internationally, TV and radio guest, commentator, former decorated Florida law enforcement officer, founder of PNN, P.P. Simmons News and Ministry Network, and member of the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama, or Mobile, I should say, Mobile, Alabama. Carl Gallops, welcome aboard. How are you? Richard, it's my friend. It's uh, I'm doing great. It's so good to be back with you. Thank you for having me on tonight. I'm I'm excited about this. And thanks for joining us on our on our hangout. Oh yeah, yeah. This is my first time on Google Hangout, but I'm I guess I'm here, so we'll see how that works. But thank you. <laughs> you know, there's so much confusion about um for example, uh you know, Revelation. Yeah. Uh, now I come. This is interesting. I, I'm from the. Uh, I'm a Christian, an Orthodox Christian. This yep. is the one book in the Bible that they do not read from during liturgy. I don't know uh, about the Catholics, but the Orthodox uh, priests they do not read from Revelation. What is the proper term? People call it the Book of Revelations, but that's not it. What is it? No. Yeah. No. The proper term is the Book of Revelation, singular. Right. It is a singular revelation. Uh, given to John, uh, of course, that singular uh, instance of a revelation is filled with revelations, <laughs> but it's but it's properly called the Book of Revelation, and um, I, I don't know the particular. I don't know why the particular uh, faith community that you come from doesn't draw from that book. Uh, I know the first four or five chapters. Are, are are relatively easy to understand and make for some beautiful, beautiful preaching and teaching and some wonderful promises. The basic promise of the book of Revelation is that if you are on God's side by belonging to Jesus Christ, in the end, you win. 
<laughs> right, and right. that's the that's the basic message of the entire book of Revelation. But but it is, as you know, uh, probably more than any other book. Perhaps Daniel uh, could be thrown in there from the Old Testament. But Revelation is so filled with symbolisms and imagery yep. and metaphors and so forth that it is given to so much interpretation and pitfalls. Really, I mean, yep. it, you you could fall into a easily get off on the wrong direction entirely, and that may be. One of the reasons that, at least during the liturgy, they don't they don't talk about it. Yeah. Obviously, the uh, Orthodox clergymen are well versed in it. But let's talk about the trumpet days of Revelation. What do we mean by the trumpet days? First, I want your audience to know this is not something I've just pulled out of my back pocket to produce some sensational book. This is something I've been researching and following, preaching and teaching literally around the world on several continents and several different nations to prophecy conferences, churches, revivals, Bible conferences for 25 years. So so 25 years of research has gone into this book and into this understanding of, of the possibility that we may be living in the trumpet days of Revelation. And, uh, and, and, and over these years, people have asked me, you know, they've seen my presentation, and they've listened to what I've had to say, and, and they've been absolutely floored by the things that I'm getting ready to share with your audience tonight. And so they've asked me, said, you know, over the years, man, you need to put this in a book. You need to write this down. You need to reference. You need to resource what you're showing us, because this is some of this is just hard to believe, yet there it is before our eyes. Please do it. Well, I, I shied away from that for years. I knew it would be a daunting task, Richard, because uh, it, it, it would just require, number one, tons of research. Number two, the, the resources and the references would have to be impeccable, and they are in my book. And, and so I knew that would take forever to, to document all that. And then thirdly, and this goes to kind of what you said about the Orthodox Church, I also know that the book of Revelation is very controversial, even among Christians, right. and the various sure. interpretations are out there in the various camps, and even in the three or four major camps of interpretation, there are schisms and, and, and cliques within those camps, and people really almost get in knockdown, drag-out verbal fights over this stuff. Right. <laughs> and, so, and so I knew that, and I really shied away from it, but I, just, I couldn't hold it any longer, as you'll see when I start to talk about this tonight, the things that I believe that the Lord has shown me. And I want to say I believe, because I'm not going to make a declaration, God has shown me this, as though I'm the final authority. I'm just saying that over many years of studying this, putting it out before the world, having it peer-reviewed, having to tweak and to search and to research and to re-research, um, I, I, I now felt that I could put this in a book. So you asked me about the trumpet days. Yes. We are in coming up on a, on, a, on a break. Uh, we'll, we'll start the conversation, and then when we hear that music, we'll break and we'll pick it up on the other side. Carl Gallup's my guest, and the book is Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. Okay, the trumpet days, Carl. What are they? Yeah. Okay, good deal. The, the oh. book of Revelation. <laughs> There's the music. Just this. I spoke. Sorry. Let's let's uh, um, slip on into a break right now, and and we'll pick it up. Okay. And have a good fresh start. Good deal. And uh, we'll find out what the trumpet days are, and also we'll also explore how World Wars One and Two square up with John the Revelator's trumpet visions. Could it be that Chernobyl was foretold almost two thousand years before it happened? Is the name of one of the world's most notorious dictator-turned-butchers actually encoded in the Revelation trumpet messages? Does the rebirth of Israel 
indicate the last days are upon us. That and much more in conversation with Carl Gallup's final warning right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, just some uh, brief programming notes. Upcoming on the program, our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, will be here with our paranormal news roundup. And uh, also, inventor Bruce McBurney, uh, who's in uh, southern Ontario. We talked to him, uh, oh, a couple of months back regarding his 100-mile-per-gallon engine. This is a vaporizing carburetor that's uh, that he's really resurrected. This is an idea that's been around since the 1930s. Uh, but this time, Bruce will be along to talk about uh, the production and use of colloidal silver for al- as an alternative remedy. Uh, and uh, coming up very soon on The Conspiracy Show, uh, the return of Canada's Edgar Casey. Remote viewer Douglas Cotro will be here, and we're going to conduct a remote viewing experiment. Uh, he'll give you sort of a crash course in remote viewing, and I've set up a hashtag uh, for that program. Uh, we'll do an experiment, and if you can identify uh, the hidden object, uh, the hidden target, uh, then you will win a uh, pair of tickets to my uh, event in Oshawa on the 26th of April. Follow the truth. And uh, that's all upcoming on the program. Right now, Carl Gallup stays with us. Final warning. Understanding the trumpet days of revelation. I'm going to hold this up. Uh, so which camera should I do it? El- oh, to this one. All right. Now, I don't know if this is... Um if, if that actually looks backwards on on YouTube or not, but as I show it into the camera, uh, it's like you know looking in your rearview mirror at uh, letters on a car and they're backwards. But hopefully you'll see that. Final warning. And now let's talk about the trumpet days. Understanding the trumpet days of Revelation. So, Carl, <clears throat> what are the trumpet days? Thank you. Let me give you, uh, your audience, a crash course. And I, and I want your audience to know, again, I've been preaching and teaching the Word for 30 years, 25 years studying this specifically, so I understand that the, the brief things that I'm going to say, there are a lot of questions and people have counter-arguments, and, and I'm, I'm prepared to deal with all of those and deal with most of them in my book. But for the qu- sake of, of, of this quick speaking of it here in this interview, the trumpet days are those days spoken of in the book of Revelation that revolve around the vision of seven trumpets that blow in the last days uh, that John sees. He sees the vision of them as he's caught up to the throne room of God. Now, uh, Richard, uh, it, it, it's amazing. Let, let me first begin by explaining to your audience that there are millions around the world, and I'm one of them, that believe that they see a coded clue in the book of Revelation that tells us that the seventh trumpet represents the rapture of the church, the taking up, the catching away of the church, the seventh trumpet of Revelation, the last trumpet. Now, if that is so, that would that, that event would happen just before God pours out his wrath on the world. And by the way, that matches what happened in the days of Noah and what happened in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, and the rapture, Luke, rapture is another one of those highly contested, debatable, oh, uh, controversial oh, yes. subjects, the rapture, whether there oh, is a rapture. Or... Yes, and I deal with that in great length in my book. But as I'm explaining, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, he said, look, the, the, the final days, the coming of the Son of Man is going to be just like this. And he says, the days of Noah, the days of Lot just like this. Now, Jesus said that. Carl Gallops didn't say it. Jesus says it in Luke 17. Well, what was it just like in Noah's day? 
Well, Noah and his family lived in the midst of great tribulation. The world was more wicked than it had ever been, so wicked that God said he was going to destroy everything that had breath except for those that he saved. And so Noah and his family lived in the midst of great tribulation until the day that the flood came. That was God's wrath that he was pouring out on the world to destroy the world and the unbelievers. But before he poured out his wrath, he raptured out, if you will. He lifted Noah and his family up and above the wrath that would come. He took them out. He kept them safe in the ark. As a matter of fact, when you get to the letter of Second Peter, Peter says that very thing. He uses that as an illustration of how God will protect his people in the last days before he pours out his wrath. Jesus said it'll be just like this. And he said it'll be like the days of Lot. Well, what happened in the days of Lot? In Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the, that culture became so exceedingly wicked, unthinkably wicked, that God says, I'm going to destroy it completely. But before he did... And, of course, Lot and his family living right in the midst of it, right in the midst of those days of great tribulation. But before God destroyed it, before he poured out his wrath, he sent his angels to t get Lot and his family out, out of the way. Then God poured out his wrath. So, in other words, they were raptured. They were taken out. So, Jesus said, again, Carl didn't say this, Jesus said in Luke 17, it'll be just like that. So, when we get to the book of Revelation, we see three visions that are the primary focus of Revelation. The vision of the seven seals, uh, S-E-A-L-S, -S -S, not seals in the water, but seals on a scroll. Right, right. <laughs> and then the seven trumpets, and then the seven bowls of wrath. Now, the trumpets, millions of people around the world, me, me included, believe, we believe that those trumpets are sounds of warning to the world just before God pours out his wrath, just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Lot, just like Jesus said. And there's a clue in Revelation and in the New Testament that the seventh trumpet is the rapture of the church. Now, if that's so, Richard, and here's the key, if the seventh trumpet is the rapture of the church, that means the first six trumpets blow before the rapture of the church. And if that is so, that means those six trumpet sounds would be warnings to the world, but primarily to the church, to God's people, that the rapture is soon to come and the return of the Lord is soon to be here. Right. So that's a brief description of the trumpet days of Revelation. Now, what my book does, my book outlines uh, the theolo theology and eschatological methods of interpreting uh, prophetic scriptures and, and particularly Revelation. It's not meant to be a complete study of the book of Revelation, but I do enough that you, that you will be able to understand when I start revealing these amazing findings uh, uh, about the trumpets and key words that were coded into the scriptures, Richard, 2,000 years ago that match precisely events that have happened in our relatively uh, modern history and in our historical lifetime. And so that's why, again, millions around the world, me included, we believe that we could very well be living in the trumpet days and that the trumpets are blowing, the signs are being given to the world for those who care enough to dig and study and see, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, the trumpets are blowing. And we're very, very soon upon trumpet six, which describes a all things World War Three in the Middle East centered around the Euphrates River, which okay. is Iraq and Iran. Let's and, let's talk about uh, the trumpets. And when was do you have a, a handle on when the first trumpet sounded? Yeah. 
Well, do you do you want me to do it like that, Richard? Or I can tell you, uh, I'll do whatever you want. This is your show, okay? Well, <laughs> the mo- the- I'm scrabbling around in the dark. You okay. you tell me, you know, okay. if, if well, how you'd like to. Well, the most fascinating way to do this, I think, and it's the way I write the book, and I think your listeners will find this fascinating, is what prompted me to believe this and where my journey started. My journey started with trumpet number three. Number three, once, okay. Once I had determined that it was a great possibility that trumpet three had blown, then I went back and said, well, that means trumpet two and trumpet one have had to have blown before, of course. All right, let's start with trumpet three then. Okay, all right. And and, and I don't know that I, I should give away all seven trumpets tonight in the interview. No, no, I want no. people to get the book and look at it, but I can, I can give your audience a lot of stuff tonight that will really get their uh, wheels turning. So here's, here's how this started, Richard. Here's how I um, uh, kind of fell into this. And then I'll tell you what I found in Trumpet 3. So I came to this church where I'm the senior pastor. I've been the senior pastor here 28 years now. And it's a a church on the Gulf Coast, a a large church here on the Gulf Coast. And when I came to this church in 1987, early 1987, now this is long before the days of, you know, personal computers and Internet. Right, right. So, you know, my my study library still consisted of hard copy books. (laughs) And if I needed to find anything that was out of the way, I had to go to some library, okay? So that was back in the ancient days. I remember those days. Yeah, you remember those days. So, so in 1987, I had been preaching and teaching through the book of Revelation. I had come to a lot of these conclusions that the trumpets probably spoke to our day. But in 1987, early 1987, I'm preaching back through the book of Revelation. And while I'm preaching in the book of Revelation, an article from the New York Times was printed and reprinted in an, uh, headlines of a regional paper down here on the Gulf Coast that declared that the Chernobyl nuclear disaster in Chernobyl, Ukraine, corresponded to the third trumpet of Revelation because the the word wormwood, because right. the third trumpet of Revelation is defined as, says the name of the star, and I'll explain this in a moment, was wormwood. Well, that's the English word translated from the Greek word, that the New Testament was written in, but if it was written in Ukrainian, it would literally say the name of the star was Chernobyl. Ah. Well, now that's what this article said in the New York Times. And again, I'm a young pastor back then, this 28 years ago, and I'm preaching through Revelation. I already believe that the trumpets are, you know, connected to the last days and, and, and precede the rapture of the church. And and then here's this article, and I said, well, and I took it to the church when I was preaching, and I said, guys, I don't have any way of verifying this. I can't speak Ukrainian. I don't know any Ukrainian people. I don't have a Ukrainian dictionary. I don't have access to a Ukrainian Bible. But if this article is correct, and it says Ukrainian speakers are declaring this, then this is amazing. And I can remember the, you know, the congregation's reaction way back then was, wow, that, that is amazing. Well, Richard, in the middle 90s, I was preaching back through Revelation again, and I had been teaching and preaching on it for for years, but in the middle 90s, I was going to do a complete sweeping study back through it. And Richard, now we have the Internet. And as I'm going through the Scriptures, I said, you know, let, let me research this. So I got on the Internet, 
and I found United Nations documents of ambassadors from the Ukraine who addressed the General Assembly of the United Nations. One of them was president of the General Assembly. By the way, all of this is in my book, and all of it's documented and resourced so your audience can go look at it. But these ambassadors from the Ukraine were addressing the United Nations, and they were declaring emphatically, categorically, that Chernobyl is Wormwood, and Wormwood is Chernobyl. And the events of Chernobyl match precisely the prophecies of a 2,000-year-old prophecy found only in the Bible that said the name of this event is Chernobyl. Can we just stop there a moment? And and, yes. and, and uh, I, I want you to talk about what it says about the third trumpet and okay. wormwood in the Bible. Thank you. All right. It says, John says, and I saw a star fall from heaven. And I want to address that about the star because a lot of people say, well, a star didn't fall from heaven that night. So I'll talk about that. But let me just say what it says. It says, I saw a star fall from heaven. And I don't have a Bible in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing. You don't need one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. It says, but I saw a star fall from heaven, and and, and, and it, it, it was like a flaming torch. So in other words, there's something on fire that's coming out of the sky. And it says, and it polluted a third of the waters, and it killed many, many people. And the name of the star was Wormwood. Now, that's what it says. Now, shockingly, Richard, as I'm preaching back through this, and now I have access to the Internet, I've got access to all of the articles from around the world and scientific reports and journalistic reports and National Geographic reports and and Nuclear Commission reports on Chernobyl. I've got access to a Ukrainian Bible. I've got access to a Ukrainian dictionary. I have access to Ukrainian speakers. I have access to books that are printed online, printed, written about this by people who are native-born Ukrainians. And what did I discover? I discovered that the Chernobyl nuclear disaster is the worst nuclear disaster in the world, even ten times greater. As of yesterday, I researched this on the Internet. As of yesterday, it's ten times greater than Fukushima disaster. It released 100 times the amount of radiation that Hiroshima released. It, they, it is still releasing radiation. They built a concrete sarcophagus over it when it exploded back in 1986. Now it's crumbling. They believe if it bursts again that it has the potential to kill millions. They're trying to get a new sarcophagus built over it. But what happens? Russia is right now attacking Ukraine. Right. And they've had to stop the work on it. So you've got this potential disaster getting ready to happen again that nobody can do anything about because Russia is encroaching the borders. And when this thing happened almost 30 years ago now, guess what the results were? It polluted the water and the soil. 200,000 people were evacuated from Chernobyl and the surrounding area. 500,000 people were affected. Thousands of people died. Many reports, as some as recent as the last couple of years, predict that millions of people have been radiation poisoned and their health has been adversely affected and will literally die as a result of it. Uh, all over Europe, as far up in Norway and Sweden, they're reporting soil, 
uh, contamination, water contamination. They just they just had a report just a couple of months ago that the reindeer in Norway are showing excessive amounts of radiation because they eat the mushrooms that grow in the soil that's been polluted from the Chernobyl disaster. And it goes on and on and on. Your your listeners can research this on the internet. Again, my book has all of this in it. But watch. Here's what happened on that night. People say, well, a star didn't fall from the sky. Well, first of all, let's examine that. A star is a sun. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's yes. what a star. Okay, so I know where you're going with this, Carl. Hang on, let me uh, let me uh, jump in here. We'll take another time out. Okay, and we'll uh, finish up with uh, Chernobyl slash Wormwood, yeah. and uh, perhaps then, time permitting, we can delve into some other of the oh, yeah. final warnings, including upheaval in the Middle East, World yeah. Wars One and Two. Carl Gallops, the author of Final Warning. Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back uh, with Carl Gallops, author of Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. Just a reminder, we are doing a hangout on air. And uh, you can... Enter the inner sanctum here. Our uh, studio is located in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. You can uh, see yours truly. And, of course, our guest on the line from uh, Florida, uh, Carl Gallops, the author uh, of Final Warning. He's uh, also visible on the uh, the webcam. So to join the Hangout on air, all you need to do is go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. And uh, it's near the top of the Twitter feed. Uh, just uh, look for that tweet that's um, obviously pertaining to the uh, HOA. There's a link to the live stream. You click on that, and you are in. All right, Carl, we were talking about yep. Chernobyl, Wormwood, yep. and um, uh, we just want to finish off uh, your, yep. your thoughts on, on, uh, on Chernobyl, which is the third trumpet. And yep. people are saying, well, it's not a star. Wormwood is a star. Chernobyl, a nuclear disaster, not a star. Right. Thank you. Well, what's interesting about that is, first, there's, there are three things that I say about that that are extremely important. And every time I say these three things, people think, people say to me, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so it's very important what I'm getting ready to say, because people do object to this idea of it being Chernobyl because of this beginning of, I saw a star that fell from heaven. Now, let me say, for those who object and say, well, this, this can't be that, well... I'm not declaring 1,000% that this is that, but I can tell you, and you'll see in my book, I have it heavily resourced, Chernobyl is Wormwood. Wormwood is Chernobyl. The word Chernobyl translates to Wormwood and vice versa. So this is either one of the biggest coincidences in the world, and wait till I tell you some of the other stuff that's there. This is either one of the biggest, biggest coincidences in the world and in the Bible, or it's either exacting prophecy, and we're living in the trumpet days, and people will just have to decide what, what they believe. Right. But back to this objection. I saw a star fall from heaven. All right, several things. Number one, do you really think John really saw a star hit the earth? Because a star is a sun. And we know that our sun is one of the smallest ones that, of which we know. <laughs> and we know that if our sun were just a few thousand miles closer to the earth, we would burn up. So a star hitting the earth, well, that would never happen. Our earth would be completely burned and destroyed before the star even got to us to hit the earth. So he couldn't have meant a literal star. No. So now we know he's speaking symbolically. 
Second of all, he says the star fell like a torch flaming from heaven. Well, a star's going to be a little more combustible than a torch. <laughs> it's going to be a little hotter than a torch. So again, we know he's speaking symbolically. Then if you'll go to the fifth trumpet, you'll see again he speaks of a star falling from heaven. But this time we are told that the star is a messenger, a person, an angelic being perhaps, because it says, and he said, the star speaks. So now we know, if we go back to the third trumpet of Chernobyl, this is not a literal star. It's a messenger. It's a harbinger. It's an ominous warning. John said, I saw a messenger, a star. I saw something, and it, was, and it, and it, and it uh, looked like a flaming torch, and it fell from the heavens. And by the way, that word heaven is uh, oranos, which in Greek can also mean the sky, and it's used that way in the New Testament. So it doesn't have to mean like from the throne room of God. It could just mean from the sky. Well, guess what happened at Chernobyl? And I've got all this documented in my book. On the night that nuclear reactor number four in the Chernobyl plant exploded, the concrete lid, several several hundred tons of concrete, burst into tiny bits and shot over one half mile into the sky. And all of that concrete rubble was ablaze and was on fire, and it fell from the sky from over a half mile in the air like millions of flaming torches. It hit the ground. It, it contaminated, polluted. Radiation goes into the sky. It was just a disaster of monumental uh, proportions. The world has never seen. It's unprecedented thus far in human history. The world has never seen a nuclear disaster such as this. And so what were the effects of it? It polluted the soil. It polluted the water. It killed many people. It's still killing many people. Listen, I have medical professionals in my church. I'm in Florida. I'm on the east coast of the United States. These medical professionals tell me that they go to medical uh, training uh, conferences all the time wherein they are told that the reason that thyroid cancer rates are through the roof in America is because of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster and the fallout. It's directly relational, directly correlated, correlational to the Chernobyl disaster. People don't realize the magnitude of this, Richard. No, we've been they, so focused on, yes. on Fukushima. Well, focused on other things. I mean, it's that, that happened in 1986. Right. A lot has happened in the world since then. And people don't realize this is still going on. It is huge. I, and, and I believe that it's either... A huge coincidence that the Word of God says, because see, when you're reading the Ukrainian Bible, the Ukrainians know this. They're freaking out about it. Because when you're reading the Ukrainian Bible, it says, and the name of the star of this event is Chernobyl. And they're living in the midst of it, Richard. They know what it means. All right. When we come back, let's talk uh, about some of the other final warnings. World War One, World War Two. how do they square up with John the Revelator's Trumpet Visions, back with more of my conversation with Pastor Carl Gallup's Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. Don't go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
All right, Carl, uh, time is tight as always, uh, yeah. I, and I want to work in a few more of these uh, uh, clues, obviously not giving everything away in final warning, understanding the trumpet days of Revelation. We've talked about Chernobyl and Wormwood. How does World War One, which is celebrating the, uh, well, last year, the 100th anniversary of the beginning uh, of that great war, as it's uh, often called, nothing great about it, uh, World War Two uh, and World War Two. how do they square up, square up with John the Revelator's trumpet visions. Yes, I, I will tell you that. And if we have time, I'd love to get to Trumpet 5 and at least share one shocking, earth-shattering piece of information that comes out of Trumpet 5. But okay, said, let's get busy then. <laughs> yeah, let's get busy. As I said, Trumpet 3 was where I began. Well, once I realized Chernobyl is Wormwood and Wormwood is Chernobyl, and there's a distinct possibility that that is the, the prophecy, that's what it's about, then I realized, of course, if that's true, then Trumpet 2 and Trumpet 1 had to have blown before. And I went to Trumpet 2 first, and I saw this, this thing that just jumped off the page and hit me. It said that, uh, that, that the, 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 defining, the definition of Trumpet 2 was that I saw this giant mountain all ablaze thrown into the sea, and, and a third of the ships were destroyed, a third of the living creatures, etc., etc. And, and I, I, I looked at that, and, and I thought, there's nothing in the world that matches that except one thing. And I went and studied the Greek words for uh, uh, thrown into the sea and giant and, and, and this mountain. And, and the Greek words, and I've got all of, this, uh, all of this in my book, the Greek words are amazing. The word thrown that's in the Greek means, viol- it can also mean violently sent as well as an eruption that takes place afterwards. And, and then the, 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 the eruption, the word in the Greek there is mega, from where we get megaphone. So not only large as in mega large, but mega loud as well. Right. And, and, I, and I looked at that and I said, oh my gosh. There, in the middle of the sea, in World War II ended with the dropping of the first nuclear bomb. Do you see the connection? Nuclear bomb, the trumpet number three, the world's worst nuclear disaster, nuclear technology could not have come about except for the nuclear technology that was invented around World War II and was used by the United States of America on Japan, an island that sits in the middle of the sea. That nuclear bomb the, the, it rose to 40,000 feet in the air, bigger than any mountain, higher than any mountain, killed you know, hundreds of thousands of people and, and destroyed in the destruction that came with it. And it literally, the pictures, get on the Internet and look at those. It looks like a giant mountain on fire coming out of the sea. And, and when I saw that, I, I, was, I was just overwhelmed. And then I thought about it, Richard. Well, what happened with the dropping of the bomb? Well, World War II ended. Well, what else happened? As a result of that, the nation of Israel was born. As a result of World War II ending, Mm -hmm. the nation of Israel, which is a 2,500-year-old prophecy that the Bible says lets you know that you are living in the last days. When Israel comes back to the land, Ezekiel 37, and Ezekiel 38 and 39 says that when that returned Israel comes back, there will be an alignment, a coalition of certain nations that will uh, come together to try to destroy that returned Israel. And the nations are listed by name, by their tribal names. They correspond to modern-day nations that are now making those pacts 
making those alliances. They're on TV every day. All of them, almost all of them, are Muslim nations, and they are desperately just trying to destroy this returned Israel. (laughs) And all of that's in the Bible. All of that was foretold 2,600 years ago, the only book in the world that says those things. It's now center and front and center of our evening news. And trumpet number two says that John said, I saw something that looked like a giant mountain. He said something like, which means it wasn't a giant mountain, right, but right. he's using, he's trying to describe something. Think about this, Richard. I want you and your audience to think about this. John was on a rock island in a prison camp 2,000 years ago. They were still riding camels and walking everywhere they went. He was thrust 2,000 years at least into the future, into our lifetime and beyond. Now, how would a man that's riding camels... How would he describe a nuclear bomb? How would he describe a nuclear plant explosion? How would he describe jet airplanes and helicopters and oil wells on fire? How would he describe skyscrapers and airplanes hitting them and bursting into flames and collapsing? How would he describe automobiles and interstate highways? And Exactly. Well, in language that would make sense to his time. Exactly. Um, let, me, let me ask you something, uh, while time permits. And that is, uh, you, you mentioned the birth of Israel, and, and uh, there is, in, on the Jewish calendar, something called the Feast of Trumpets. Yep. Does that Feast of Trumpets have anything to do with what we're talking about, the yes. Revelation Trumpets? I, I think it has something precisely to do with it, and I deal with this at length in my book, as a matter of fact. Because the first, there are seven feasts of the Lord, and, and the first four feasts, have been fulfilled perfectly in Jesus Christ and or the birth of the church. But the last three feasts have not yet been fulfilled perfectly. Yet when you get to the book of Revelation, you find shadowings of all three of the last three feasts right there in the book of Revelation by name. First you find the feast of trumpets. Well, what do you find in the book of Revelation? But seven trumpets, and the number seven is a biblical number for perfection and completion. And what's happening? They're blowing in the last days. And the seventh trumpet, Revelation defines, I believe, as millions of others do, is the rapture. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Feast of Atonement, which talks about God's wrath being poured out if you're not under the blood of the Lamb, if the sacrifice, if you didn't accept the sacrifice. Well, right after the Feast of Trumpets comes what? The seven bowls of God's wrath. And then, when you get to Revelation 21, the last feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, where God tabernacles or dwells with his people. And Revelation 21 says, Now behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will live with him. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes and make all things new. So yes, the last three feasts are beautifully presented in the book of Revelation as being ultimately and completely fulfilled. I deal with that at length in my book. And so again, millions of people around the world, I'm one of them, we believe that it's very possible that we're now living in the trumpet days of Revelation. The trumpets of God are blowing. The warnings, the ominous harbingers of what is to come, they are being sounded, and God is getting ready to give the final warning. And by the way, I believe trumpets one through five have blown. Trumpet six, we're on the verge of it now, a huge war in the Middle East centered around Islam and centered around attacking Israel. It's right there in the Bible. And there we are. That's what we're watching on the evening news. It's developing even now. And then after trumpet six breaks out, World War III, 
Trumpet 7 follows, and Trumpet 7 is the rapture of the church. You wanted to mention uh, in the time, we just have a few minutes here, Trumpet 5. <laughs> yeah, let me do that. This is going to blow people away. Trumpet 5 is extremely complex, and it's packed with clues and code words and keywords like Wormwood and Chernobyl. But the most unbelievable one is this. It talks about, it talks about the depths of the earth being set on fire and holes in the ground being opened, a hole in the ground being opened. And the word there for that, that pit, it says a pit, a bottomless pit. The word for pit is freer in Greek, and it means literally a well. A well is opened, and fire and smoke comes out, and it clouds the day, and it, and it blocks the sun and the moon and the stars, and it fills the air with black smoke and nastiness and wickedness, and, and, and people are uh, uh, in, in, in agony, and they want to die, but they can't die, and on and on. It, all these details. But then at the end of it, it says, and they had the one that started all this, the one that opened the pit. It says his name was Apollyon or Abaddon. Now, Apollyon is the uh, Greek word. Sounds Abaddon like the Greek, the Greek god Apollo. Huh? Sounds like the Greek god Apollo. Well, it does, but listen. Apollyon and Abaddon both translate in English to the destroyer. Now, are you sitting down, Richard? I am indeed in preparation for this show. The Persian word for destroyer is Saddam. And that comes straight from Persian language experts. It comes straight out of the mouth of people, experts in the Middle East. I have it all documented in my book. And what did Saddam do? By the way, that, that prophecy said that a certain people would be tormented for five months. Saddam was in Kuwait for exactly five months. That's documented before America and the coalition forces entered. He set 800 oil wells on fire that darkened the sky for 11 months. The sky was as black as midnight. It blocked out the sun, the moon, and the stars. He tortured people. He killed people. He purposely kept people alive who wanted to die, including children. He had thousands of children in concentration camps where he tortured them so their parents would have to hear them screaming, and the kids would be at the verge of death, and they had chemicals and drugs that they gave the kids to keep them alive and it was horrendous it was a medieval bloodbath that Saddam committed and all of this happened and 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 the bible says and the one that made all of this happen his name was Saddam and i mean if you're reading it in persian that's what it says and again all of this is 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 cataloged in my book and resourced not by crazy religious sites but by news journals and, 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 and scientific journals and mainstream media sources and university language departments and the Persian Studies Department of Harvard University. I mean, it's all documented. So, so Gulf War One was the well, fifth trumpet. Well, listen, yes, not only that, but think of what Gulf War One did. We know for a fact that 9-11 was the result of that. Osama bin Laden said that. He said, the reason I attacked is because you had your troops on Saudi soil and you were over here in Saudi Arabia and, you, and the Middle East attacking us. And 9-11 was a direct result of that, which brought us back over to Iraq, back to Afghanistan, which eventually led to Arab Spring. Listen, I have reports from the New York Times and other mainstream media sources that tie what's going on in the Middle East right now. They tie it all the way back from experts in the Middle East all the way back to the first Gulf War. And, again, all of this is documented in my book. So if that's true, 
then look at the chain of events. We've got World War II that brings about the rebirth of Israel. We've got the mountain thrown into the sea on fire. The next thing we have, you know, we've got Chernobyl disaster that's still going on today. Russia attacking Ukraine. They're trying to get the sarcophagus built. It's getting ready to explode again. You come to trumpet number five. You've got a guy named Saddam that blackens the sky. He sets oil wells on fire. Um, he kills people. He tortures people. In the meantime, that leads to 9-11, which leads to Iraq and Afghanistan, which eventually leads to everywhere we are now with a president named, Saddam, named Barack Hussein Obama, who is instrumental in bringing about Arab Spring with the collapse of Egypt and Libya, which is foretold in Daniel chapter 11. And then, oh, is it? Could you, I mean, you know, it just rolls on and on, and it's all tied together. Where, where, very briefly, because we only have forty seconds, but where is the Arab Spring mentioned in the Book of Daniel? Well, Arab Spring is not mentioned in precisely in the Book of Daniel, but many Bible scholars believe there's a tie in to understanding from the Book of Psalms, from the Book of Daniel and Revelation, and the Book of Ezekiel, the rising of the Muslim nations in the last days, because there was no Islam when the Bible was written. But the nations are listed, and every one of them are now Islamic. But Daniel chapter 11 says that in the last days, that the nation of Egypt and the nation of Libya would go through civil wars, and they would collapse in the last days, and they would eventually join an alliance that would attack Israel. There you and go. And we've seen that happen, and we're watching it happen right now. Final warning. Understanding the trumpet days of Revelation. Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you for this. Thank you, Richard. Carl Gallops. All right. The website is richardserrett.com. That's your portal to the Conspiracy Show. Everything you need to know about the program is right there. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth.